the green on green derby delivers in spades, Branson and I get fighty with each other and we'll discuss SunSmart goalkeepers. Everyone, let's kick off episode four of the Semi Pro Potty. Yahoo! Yippah! Here we are. We're back again, everyone. Good to speak to you all. Branson, you well? I'm, uh, I'm quite well, thank you, Will. How, uh, how are you doing, mate? Very good. Very good to be back. Very good to be in front of the microphone again to talk about another cracking week of same professional football in Victoria. Absolutely. Some great results again. Interesting matchups, interesting results, and of course, plenty to talk about. Always good fun. Looking forward to it. Before we jump into it, though, let's go through our original, all-time, My constant segment. segment. My yes. favourite. Uh, it's a bolter for mine as well. Uh, Branson, what are you wearing tonight, mate? Tell us about it. Well, for kit bag tonight, Will, I've donned a Socceroos kit, the same Socceroos kit that we wore at last year's World Cup. Uh, it speci- was last yeah. year. Oh, my uh, God, time flies. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so, not necessarily a big fan of this kit with the funky green sleeves, but I figured with the Matildas playing at the moment... I'd jump on board, show them yep. a bit of support. and uh, Get the green and gold on good time of year to do it, and what better reason than for having the Matildas back in Australia playing some good football as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Thought it was a good segue, good good thing to wear this week. Uh, what have you got on, mate? You're wearing a, an Australia kit of your own, yeah. I believe. Yeah? I think it's a good idea that we wear some Socceroos kits this week. Um, I've gone for a slightly older generation kit, though. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say the year, because someone will see the picture and then yell at me <laughs> for getting it wrong, but like, yep. I'm going to guess it's 2011, 12 away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the navy blue number, and... Mm-hmm. I have got Marco Bresciano, number 23, on the back of it, who was one of my absolute favourite soccer players. What a player. Former FC Berlin Lions player, Marco Bresciano. Really? Yes, indeed. Yep, he uh, grew up around there. Oh, lovely. Lovely that. Um, Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez, I didn't know he played for Berlin. No, he did indeed. Maybe. Oh, could he come back as a manager? Oh, could. Could. Love that. I'd get I'd get around bullying if they if they did that. For them yep. to get me on board, they need to do that. You'd be willing to uh, sacrifice the name for for Bresh? Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, we've well, you know, we've been pretty harsh on bullying lately. But you know, if Bresh comes back on board, I'm a simple man to win over. No, like it. Quick question: What do you prefer, Socceroos wearing green, or do you like the blue? Uh, we don't wear green. What do we wear? We wear gold. Sorry, oh, we do. Did you wear the gold or the blue? Glad one of us paid attention. Yeah, no, yeah. Rifle into a response. <laughs> um. Look, I think if it's done well, the gold is good. Yep. I agree with you, though. The sleeves of the World Cup kit is a little bit trash. But, mm. you know, that's Nike kits these days. <laughs> they just kind of bosh out a design and get everyone to make it work for them. Um, now, aside from kits, let's turn our attention to some of the games. Branson, tell us about Bentley 3, Green Gully 1, because this was a cracker. Uh, it was. It was my pick. I think it was actually both our picks last week for... For match of the round, yep. top of the table clash. Friday both, night, yeah, love it. Both teams, you know, two for two, hadn't lost a game. Lived up to expectations, really. Uh, meeting of the undefeated teams, what did we call it? The Green Derby. Don't know if we came up with any name Green better on than Green that. Derby, and yeah, we were really scraping the bottom of the barrel for that one. Yeah, so we're glad yep. this fixture's over. Gives yep. us a couple of weeks to come up with yeah. the next one. <laughs> uh, well, Bentley dominated. Yeah. Uh, definitely dominated at the start. They started off first half they really looked like they were the better outfit sort of gave me a bit of a hint you know maybe Bentley are definitely contenders Green Gully maybe you know maybe a little bit of pretender pulling it early yeah maybe a little bit but I definitely got the impression from this game that Bentley were 
maybe not a full class above, but ever so slightly. Yeah. Uh, just the way they started the first half was really good. They definitely looked more more threatening. Uh, Valentino Uel opened up the scoring for Bentley, I think midway through the first half, and it was a well-deserved goal, saw it coming. I think it was two minutes later, Bentley doubled the advantage. They went yeah. bang, bang in a real hurry. I mean, that's always a good measure of a site, isn't it? That they can score and then very quickly score another. You know, that's when they're really in control of their football. And they can, you know, when they take that advantage, they don't just go, oh, cool, we've taken that advantage, time to reset. They actually keep that momentum going because you build pressure to get that first goal. That pressure's still there if you can put that second goal home in a really quick manner. Yeah, absolutely. It was Josh Baresi, two minutes later, bang, bang, and it really just sort of... It was very symbolic of, of Bentley's dominance. You know, all yeah, nice. of a sudden, up 2-0, and they kept going. They had multiple chances to go up 3-0. I think Mitrovic had a great chance. Yeah. Uh, Jared Tyson, Grand Gully's keeper, after his howler last week. Well, he's always in it, isn't he? he, he was, he's put off some cracking saves. Um, there was one in this match, I believe, as well, um, yep, just on, before half-time. Yeah, on Mitrovic, yep. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, it's riddled with howlers and excellent saves, so yep. looking forward to watching when him he's throughout on, the season. Well, when he's on, he's on. He was on tonight, had a couple of good ones um but Bentley really dominant in the first half Green Gully did peg a goal back I think Nick Kalmar scored off a free kick might have been deflected in the 44th minute or something make it interesting at half time mm-hmm. but then after the break Bentley really took control of the game back again uh UL scored again made it 3-1 yeah, and great. really really put the put the game to bed at that stage Bentley always looked in control uh, we did mention Tyson, though. There was an interesting moment in this game, a nervous moment for him, and particularly after his handler last week. There was a shot on goal, and he put his hands up again to go to catch it, just like he did last week, and it snuck through his hands, just like it did last week. And I reckon he would have had flashbacks, nightmares, whole life flashing in front of his eyes, all that sort of thing. He was able to corral this one. But just for a moment there, you almost made our Howler segments uh, two weeks in a row. Well, I mean, I'd hate I'd hate for him to do it because he seems to be one week on, one week off. So this seems to be the, the week on. So next week, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he, uh, how he performs. Does yep. he have another Howler in him? Nah. Or is he going to start to get on top of some of those early season jitters? Because he does seem to be a really class goalkeeper. Yeah, well, he was quite good. Ryan Scott was also very good mm-hmm. for Bentley. Uh, he came up with another... A great double save late in the game as well that really, well, I mean, kept it at 3-1, but he was good all game as well. So some good goalkeeping all round through through this one, I reckon. But Bentley, three from three, haven't lost yet. Yep. Green Gully, minor setback for them. But again, Bentley, Bentley are a class side, so... They're scoring goals as well, you know. They've, yeah. they've, they've netted 10 already in three games, which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, look... They look good. They do look really strong. Um well, that's the top of the table game done and dusted, but that wasn't the only derby on this weekend, was it, Branson? Tell us a bit about Port Melbourne 1, South Melbourne 2. That's now two on the trot for South Melbourne. It is. They're ticking along a little bit nicely. Bit of a slow start. Well, lost in round one. Uh, did tip this last week as a game that I thought both teams would want to win. Port Melbourne hadn't scored yet this season. Mm-hmm. Lost their first two games. South Melbourne a win and a loss. For both teams, if they'd won it, it would just sort of really give their season a little bit more purpose, a little bit of an extra flair. And in the end, South Melbourne came away with the points, and I reckon deservedly so. The start of the game, pretty good for both sides. Chances at both ends, but South Melbourne really sort of seemed to establish control, and they looked good. They looked really good, I thought. Uh, Giuseppe Marafiotti opened the scoring for South Melbourne. A really nice team goal. 
After that, they were wreaking havoc down the left side. They just seemed to be really dominating. Had multiple chances to go ahead 2-0. Cruciratus uh, and Giuseppe Marafiotti, they both looked really good uh, with Cruciatus. Plenty of chances. South Melbourne could have gone up 2-0. They didn't. Port Melbourne made them pay. Sam Ford equalised late in the first half. Nice little goal from him. Nice little turn and a bit of a top bin finish, I reckon. Yeah, out of this and one. it was one of those great timed goals as well, where it puts you into the sheds in the right frame of mind. You know, you've they didn't they looked behind the eight ball in that first half to go into the sheds one one. Really, kind of was a lucky position for them to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And they carried that on into the second half because the start of the second half was pretty much a role reversal. It was Port Melbourne who had all the attacking chances. All of a sudden, they looked more threatening. They looked far more likely to score. South Melbourne ended up on the back foot there. And it was a really, really interesting second half. Uh, South Melbourne managed a few chances themselves, but they they looked a little bit nowhere. Uh, It wasn't actually really until sort of later on in the second half that uh, South Melbourne really sort of tried to get a foothold. Uh, Cruciratus, he had a shot, rattled it off the bar... I'm pretty sure it did look like the Port Melbourne keeper, Matthew Simon's got a touch on it, but that was sort of... Pretty yeah. close. It was very yeah, close. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of one thing I've seen from Port Melbourne this year uh, so far, is that uh, they're there or thereabouts, but they're just not really taking it to that next level and driving it home. So that, that first, I think it was about 20 minutes of the second half, yeah. right attitude, you know, really sort of like running with the ball, looking really positive with it, you know, like backing themselves. I think that that's where that goal before half-time gives you a little bit of belief and then your half-time team talk, you come running out raring to go. But they just, they don't know where that next level is for them yet. Um, and so that makes them susceptible for essentially what was the the winning goal by South Melbourne. Well, and and well, and totally agree. Just going back to Port Melbourne, a lot of their attacking chances seem to echo exactly what you said. I mean, they look good, but they just sort of like that final ball or that gilt edge chance or that moment of uh, that moment of skill yep. to really to to get that end product. And like you said just before, South Melbourne ended up coming away with the winning goal uh, quite late. Luke Adams, ball at his feet, no Port Melbourne defender near him. It was yeah. a ball across in from the left-hand side, touched it down nicely, and just an absolute banger from the penalty spot. 2-1 South Melbourne, and they, they ran away with the points. And, yeah. I mean, they look... It was it was a very even game at different parts. There was no, like, real, you know, uh, tug-of-war style battle. It was South Melbourne dominated the first Absolutely. half. Yep. Port Melbourne dominated the vast majority of the second half, but... You know, you, you've really got to bury your chances. And, like, I'm not concerned for Port Melbourne at this stage. I think they've got the absolute makings of a mid-table club. Yep. It's whether or not they've got the ability to extend upon mid-table this season. And push, and, a, and push, push for the finals and, again, and, yeah, yeah. And I think if they can do that, they need to sort of really get a grasp on, on themselves, that ability to turn it up a notch when they need to. You know, mm-hmm. really, like, get that finesse. And, you know, uh, positive signs coming out of that camp, though. But look, definitely a great, a great win for South Melbourne against yep. against rivals. Yep. Well, now that well, you know, they're looking good. They're sort of two two wins now, right in that that sort of lead pack that's emerging. And for Port Melbourne, I mean, they scored this week, right? So that's got to be that's got to be a good thing for them. Uh, but another game, will early ladder leaders Hume City were taking on a pointless Altona. How that one turned out? Yeah, this was a really good one, actually. Um, didn't expect it to be a good one. Um, Altona, zero points uh, start of this week. Hume City flying, looking really strong. Yep. 
Um, by the balance of play, though, I think Hume really could have had this one. There were two late chances that they really could have buried, um, buried with the game. Uh, it was sort of one of those games where uh, there was a bit of class, but it was more down to questionable defending, I think, from both teams. Um, the thing that I did like about sort of the goals both for James Brown for Hume and uh, Mikkel Hemmen for Altona, I think they were really good strikers goals, really good forward play goals. Yep. Both were sort of eh, minorly shoddy defending or just not great marking in the in the penalty area. Um, but that awareness as a striker to put yourself in the position where you're a step ahead of the defender to be able to put away a good chance. They were scrappy goals, I think you'd probably describe them. Yeah. <laughs> but they were still quality goals, and I, I liked seeing that because there's a lot of sort of argument in semi professional football that you may not have the technical ability to do things but if your brain's in the right spot you know if you are a smart footballer and you put yourself in the right areas you can forgo some of that technical brilliance if you're good enough at reading the play and putting yourself in the right situation at the right time and there was some really good team play some nice interplay there a couple of good through balls and it just sort of yeah really, really set the goals up nicely yeah urson uh, kaya um had a good one as well oh, the, what a the, finish yeah totally love it um uh, we'll sort of discuss our disagreement around goal of the round throughout this yep. but it's up there for goal of the round yep, a really we'll really nice really really nice lob finish um but just showed some really good build-up play between urson kaya and, and james brown that you know could be really potent this this season and that's sort of one question i was asking out of this game is uh, are they the potent sort of forward line uh, strike force in the NPL at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts, Branson? They could well be. They could well be. I mean, Hume has scored a few goals. I think they scored seven for the year. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd say they're necessarily... Well, they definitely could be one of the most potent. I wouldn't say that they're up the top there. I think there are other couple. Uh, Salmon and Fletcher for Green Galley could be good. I also reckon Sakaya and Boland at Avondale. Yeah, uh, they're Sakai... starting to show a lot of chemistry between the two. And... Yeah, like I'm not convinced Sakaya's necessarily playing as, as as a striker, but he's definitely scoring goals at the moment and... and... Feeding off each other. Front, exactly, and, and those two feeding off there could be good. Uh, hard to overlook Bentley Greens as well. Valentino Uel, he's already scored, I think, four or five goals this yep. season. And Bentley, high-powered high powered offense. But, yep. no, it's good to see Hume. I like it. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, I also sort of... I think there's a lot of promise in actually, like, having seen our tone of magic as well. You know, we were really kind of critical on them for their club name early yep. on in the season. Yep. but. You know, they're starting to actually show signs that they've actually got some good... Uh, they've got a good squad there. They're starting to string together some good performances. I mean, they would have been quite daunted by Hume City um, going into this week. But, you know, they've turned up and played some really good football. Um, well, they, they got their first point of the year, you know, two-all draw, first point of the year. Their first season in the top flight since 2010, so they've broken their duck this year. They're no longer on zero, so, I mean, could be, could be yeah. a good start. Yeah, no, it was very good. Um, I did like one thing about that, though. I'll go back to the Mikel Hammond goal. I, it was it was bad defending, and, and it's one of those things where I think a defender will look at it and say that it's a ba- bad defending, but a striker will look at it and say it's good good goal poaching. But I think if there's that sort of calibre of football coming out of um, Hammond this year, then I think he's actually going to really mature throughout the season. Once, once, that, once that team sort of gels around each other... I think he'll be a really potent striker. Well, he's, he's a big import for yeah. Altona. He's a Dutch footballer. He's played in the Eredivisie. Yeah. Uh, played there, I think, in 2014, 2015, 2016. 
Oh, the it, Glory Years. You know, I don't know. I think I was looking him up before, but... Well, that was the actual opposite of Glory Years, wasn't it? That was when Dutch football really had its malaise, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> but, but you know, the yes. big-time player, you know, playing against big-time clubs, Aaron mm-hmm. uh, Deviza is pretty darn good, so he's, yep. he's a huge oh, pickup. How many Australian players have gone over to play their trade in the Dutch League and play really well? Jason Chalina played at PSV for, I think... A good five to ten years. Yep. Well, and Ajax are always there about. They're always floating about in Europe. Have some great young players as well. So he could be huge for the Magic this year. Uh, But what about some of the other games, Will? So we've had a look at those three. What else happened this weekend? I think they were the big three sort of fixtures from this weekend. Um, Daniel City, Pasco Vale was a 1-0 win to Pasco Vale. Goal midway through the second half. Um, But one thing, you know, Daniel City kept 11 people on the park. Good. For the first time this good. season, which I think is a good achievement for them. Um, Still didn't win, but no, it's small uh, steps, small gotta, steps. Yeah, you've got to walk before you can crawl. Yep. Um, the other way around. I was going to say, you know, we get right. that. There yep. we go. Um, it's just testing you. Yeah, um, But yeah, look, the pretty forgettable game. Um, Pascoe Vale got three points though away to Dandy City, uh, which, as much as I enjoyed it, not looking like a fortress this year. Um, hopefully, they'll get off the just a nice zero place points. to visit. Yeah, nice place to visit. Um, both for away teams and supporters. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so the other game that sort of we saw throughout the weekend was Oakley Cannons one, Daniel Thunder three. Um, Daniel Thunder went absolutely ham against this one and ran out three nil lead. Um, in the first half, uh, Mister Penalty, they were just yeah, could have been like, four. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were just absolutely on top. Um, Oakley, wow, I'm I'm so on the fence with Oakley this season. I don't know whether or not to be excited by them or not. It seems like they've got a lot going for them, but just not in points. Well, they looked nowhere in this game. I don't that first half they are nowhere. No, it's just a great way to describe it. Didn't really create a lot. I mean, they scored in the second half on a penalty of their own to make it three one, but it never really seemed yeah. like they were going to. They were a challenge. I mean, yeah. but having said that, they got blown out of the water 3 0. I think it was like 35 yeah, minutes was... in, and they'd missed a penalty before it wins a 3 0 as well. So they never really, never really got a foothold. Yeah, but... no, there was a nice chip um, dinking the keeper. I think it was uh, Kieran Dover. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I felt like the top, uh, one of the top corners of yeah. the box. A lovely little finish. Yeah. I do love a goalkeeper chip, and there's been a couple this week, and this was good. Again, hard to tell if it was intentional, but it looked it it looked like it to me. So for mine, because we'll go down this this rabbit hole of discussion of intent and not intent for for chipping keepers. Yeah, it's a hundred percent decided on your celebration. Yeah, if you chip the keeper and you're running towards the corner flag before it's even hit the back of the net, yeah, intentional. Yeah, even if it's not intentional or not when you do it, yeah. It's more how support, you celebrate. You surprised, yeah, yeah. It's how you celebrate. If you're looking at sail through the air and you're like, that's not going to go in, that's not going to go in, it goes in, not intentional, you flicked it. Mm-hmm. So, what did he do? Did you notice? Oh, I don't remember actually. <laughs> we'll go back I, and watch yeah. yeah, we'll go back and watch it because I would be intrigued, but it was, it's one of those ones where, and strikers, I know you're listening to this for uh, very professional advice on mm, football. We have many years many, experience yeah, of shipping goalkeepers. For sure. No. Nah. Um, never done. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's all how you celebrate. So if you do it with conviction, you're sweet. We'll believe you. That's yeah. it. Uh, good for the Thunder, though. I mean, after losing week one, two back to back wins and goals are coming. Yeah. Currently looking pretty tight. Yep. Love it. What was the next game we had to look at? Yeah, so Avondale 2, Kingston City 1. Um, goal of the week, in my opinion. 
This is the Sakaias. one where I'm putting. Yep, this is the one where I'm putting my name against it. So Sakaya, um, it's one of those goals where lots of composure. You know, you're running into the box, you're running at players. I reckon there's three or four chances that he could have to get a shot off, but he just waited. Waited, kept taking the ball, kept trying to find that just that right amount of space. Wrote a few challenges through there as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So good. One of those goals where look, I think anyone can hit a ball from distance and hope it takes a deflection and goes in. We've seen some great goals from distance. We've seen some great chips this week, and, and you know, intentional or not. But this is one of those goals I don't normally attribute with semi-professional football, where you've got the composure to, like you said, write some challenges, wait for the right time to get the shot off. He sold about three or four defenders up the river. It's beautiful. And you reckon that was goal around? Your tip for goal around there? Yeah. It's one of those ones that's scrappy, but from a purist perspective, goal of the round for me. No, understandable. I am going to disagree on you. I reckon, though, I think it was Kai's goal for Hume City. That was my goal of the round. Yeah. Uh, what was it? So just the fact, if you haven't seen it, it was a ball in from the left. Uh, and it was even a time... hoiked, it was a hoiked-in ball in from the yeah, left, wasn't it? It wasn't ball. like a nice, perfect cross. It was a... Bit of a kick around the shoulder, hope it goes in the mixer. Yep, and then from like the top corner of the, almost near the six-yard box, the ball's come in, and then first touch, he's hoinked it again and chipped the yep. keeper. Lovely. I mean, Ke- keeper's di- not in a terrible position either. No, he's kind no. of, you know, watching that shot at the near post. I suppose the key thing here, though, is, is sort of what you said, where Sakai's was more of a more of a striker's goal, great, great interplay, great dribbling, great skill, whereas Kaya's, while skillful as well, was mm-hmm. just, you know... A moment of... It was opportunistic strikers. Absolutely, yeah. a, mo- and, and, a moment of greatness. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of individual brilliance. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then the final game of the round to uh, close us out was Heidelberg 2, Melbourne Knights nil. Um, Branson, tell us a little bit about this one. Interesting game. There were uh, plenty of good chances, plenty of good saves, plenty of good goals as well for Heidelberg. A uh, bit of biff as well, a little bit of... Yeah. A couple of hefty challenges. It, was, I, it, it looked... Quite tasty, but I yep. think referee has just sort of walked over and calmed everyone down a bit. Which yep. is... Well, we would have had a great view of it on the replay as well if there wasn't a ginormous <laughs> pole. All for the MPL streaming games this year. Absolutely love it. But Heidelberg's field seems to be the least nicely designed for this because there are a couple of poles sort of like... Either side of yeah, key action areas. Yeah, <laughs> sort of in between the corner flag and the goal when you're looking on the TV yep. and there's just a very big pole there. Yeah. So we we don't know. There might have been a little bit of afters, but... Yeah, you know, I mean, bit. my argument with that is that out of the scenario of a structurally integral pole or a camera needing to be moved... Mm. I think they can probably move the camera. They probably could. Yeah, they I, probably. Yeah, could. like I think there's probably an opportunity there just to go. You know what? This camera five meters forward don't have this problem. <laughs> but also a camera. Sorry, a pole obstructing the field of play. Very semi-professional. Oh yes, yeah, so we like it. I reckon it add, or, adds, adds an element. What it, about this? Haven't thought of this before. Yep. Sell that pole for sponsorship. <laughs> so when the camera That'd pans great, across, yeah, you get yeah. extra ad revenue. Wow, that, that's it. big money. Yeah, that is big money. Maybe we should advertise the semi-pro potty there. Yeah, well, Heidelberg, if you really die for cash, let us know because we've got some excellent ideas for you. Yep. So Heidelberg won this, but one of their goals, an interesting one, and it's created a little bit of a divide between the two of us. Yeah, I'm not happy with you, mate. We're, we're, we're very divisive this week, you know, Sakaya, Kaya. Mm. Uh, and again on this, so Heidelberg's second goal came off what I would categorise as a goalkeeper howler, but you disagree. Not even slightly. So if you haven't seen it, goalkeeper picks up the ball, 
He's time. Stand- he has got time, doesn't yep. he? He could make yep. a cup of tea and have a biscuit yep. in that time. Standing at the top of the box, could roll it out, could kick it long, could do... Options are plenty. Yep. Maybe too many options. In this case, possibly. So what he does is the classic goalkeeper sort of rolls it out a metre in front of him, backs up and goes to kick it long. Takes too much time, though. Whilst he's doing that, Cahill for Heidelberg charges him down. He kicks it straight into Cahill. Deflection straight into the net. Yeah. And I You're reckon... You're a howler. Absolute 100% a howler. Because... The goalie, if you're the goalkeeper in that situation, you have everything in front of you. You have so many options. He elected to put the ball on the deck. He could see Cahill coming at him, and he just kicked it into him anyway. He could have bailed. He could have passed it off to someone. He could have done so many more. 100% his fault. 100% avoidable. Yeah, so my argument argument against this is I could talk about the footballing element of it. Yep. Netflix. Right, good segue. So Netflix, yeah. Keepers had way too much choice. Keepers had a Netflix choice conundrum. Yep. And he could watch an Oscar winner, but no, nah, he's gone and he's picked like Crimson Tide or something. Like, oh, yeah, I love you know Crimson what, yeah, Tide. Exactly. So what he's done is he's gone, you know, I could I could make the right choice, but I'm going to make the easiest choice. And it's kind of bit him in the ass because what he's done is he's realized he's not got a lot of time and he's gone, I'm going to put my laces through it. That's not a bad decision to make for a goalkeeper. But hang on, he's already mucked up though by no, picking a watch. Not. How was he mucked up? Keepers do this all the time in games. Keepers pick up the ball, they'll throw it a metre out in front of them, they'll dilly dally on it, and then they'll be like, oh shit, I've wasted time, now I need to put my laces through it to clear it. So he's just done that. He's done that very normal thing that every goalkeeper does in every single game. Right. The thing is, it's not a howler, it's great forward play. Because the striker has gone, do you know what? I'm going to put pressure on this. He's like, he doesn't even get close to the ball. You know, he's, he's still a good four to five metres off the ball. What he does, he runs in front of that kick and he goes, you know what, I'm just going to run, put myself in the right place at the right time and see what happens. And it happened. Goalkeepers do this every game and they don't get punished. That's why I don't think it's a hell. No. I think it's standard goalkeeping, but it's good striker play that leads to the goal. Because that could have gone out for a goal kick and we would have oh, been, oh, we wouldn't have spoken about it. I totally disagree. Yeah. I, I would... No. I get where you're coming from, but I reckon this is entirely the goalkeeper. Entirely the goalkeeper's fault. I mean, okay, Cahill does a good job in recognising the situation and running at him, but the goalkeeper has got to do better. You cannot just kick it into him. I mean, you put it in row Z, which I feel like he was probably trying to do. Or, but he's he's not. He's put it into the back of. Or Cahill. you do like you know Cahill's jumping up. You do the little sellout where you go. Oh, oh I'm going to protect. Yeah, this is not this is not the realm of semi pro potty. People <laughs> try to sell the dummy as goalkeeper. Do something. Don't kick it into him. So, and that's what he did. So we're completely divisive on this one. So we'll put a poll Start out a, on yeah, Twitter. Twitter poll. We're, we're going to put a Twitter poll I'm out. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Whether or not it's a great bit of forward play or a goalkeeping howler. We'll probably Absolute get some howler. footage of it. Yep. Link to it. Do it. Let us know what you think because. This could actually end the podcast. <laughs> this this could be the last episode because of how much we disagree on this. Yeah, if we come back next week, we're recording from different locations and we're just not speaking yeah, to each not other. Speaking, yeah, no, no, love good. it. Excellent. And that will do us for part one. Join us after the break. And welcome back to part two of the semi-pro potty. Branson, I'm going to shake it up a little bit. Oh, shake me. Yes. I've got a game for us. Oh, a game. All right. What's the game? So we did the where are they now sort of segment in the early episodes where we look at, Mm -hmm. you know, some A-League players that have come back to MPL 
yep. football and, and semi-professional football and started to talk about them. You know, spoke a bit about uh, Marcos Flores um, yes. last week, yep. who is now applying his trade at Adelaide City. Yep. Um, but what I've done is I've, I've found a player who's, who's now playing in the NPL. And yep. I'm going to list out former, his... Former A-League player? Former A-League player. Yep. Who I feel like you should know... Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm going to yeah, yeah, I'm going to rattle through a couple of I think defining features about this person's career so yep. that we can A get to know them as a group, but also B really put you under the microscope for uh, I think testing you out as a as a football aficionado. Yeah. Great, um, here we go. This could be embarrassing. Yeah, so that, this isn't this the first question, but I just want to get a bit of an understanding as to what's your knowledge of A-league footballers with Maltese heritage like? Maltese heritage. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, not great. I actually, I remember one. I, funnily enough, though, I don't know his name. I think he played for the Melbourne Heart. I remember as a Heart fan at this stage when we signed him, I think he was referred to as the Maltese Messi. Oh, that of, is a small talent. Pool. But, like, sort of in the way where, you know, it happens all the time. They go, oh, he's the... Icelandic Ronaldo or, or whatever, you know, they throw they throw up analogies and we signed the Maltese Messi, apparently. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he would be the only one I would know off the okay. top of my head. So, so it's, it's not him. So that's great. Probably, well, that's yeah, good because I don't know his name, so I wouldn't have got it. Yep. Excellent. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So this player started out their career in Victoria. Um, yep. He became the club captain of Sunshine George Cross, which for mine is also a very weird... Name for a footballing club. Yeah, interesting. I like. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like a train station. Uh, it sounds like a train station mixed with perhaps someone. I don't know. Actually, it sounds like a player called Sunshine George, who is good at putting balls in from wide areas. Ah, could yeah. be. So irrelevant to the point of yes. This. Anyway, um, club captain at the age of nineteen, which I thought was quite impressive. Quite young, yeah. yeah. I wasn't doing that at nineteen. I definitely wasn't. Um, then he signed for Green Gully, and he played two seasons for Green Gully. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, I think, around about early 2010s era. So about a decade ago. Yep. Um, then he signed for Wellington. Wellington Phoenix. So he made the yep. jump from NPL yep. through to A-League yep. when, when he signed for Wellington. Ph- when did Wellington. he sign? 2008. Okay. Right. Yeah. My <laughs> my knowledge of 2008-09 Wellington Phoenix players. All right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you still not got it? Maltese uh, played for Green Gully. Yep. In an in an era where we didn't actually watch NPL games. So granted that's a bit hard. Yep. Then jumped to Wellington. Okay. The one that I think might get you on board a bit mm-hmm. is that he was offered contracts from Victory and Hart. Yep. Turned them down. Okay. No takes. No, right. I'm, I'm... Yeah, well, turn it... Sorry, hang on. He didn't come? Didn't come. So both both teams wanted him, but yep. he didn't come? Didn't come, stayed in Wellington. Okay, so... But he's, so he'd been at Wellington for quite some time now. Right. Yeah. Okay. The only name that rings a bell at this stage is Dario Vitasic, but I'm not... No. Not, I, know no. It's, I know it's not him, but he's the yes. only one I'm thinking of so far. Yep, keep going. Oh, uh, he's de- it's, definitely, it's definitely not him. He's still playing for City. What am yeah. I thinking? Also, Dario Vitasic... Um, also, City not Maltese. Almost, yeah, not Maltese. Yeah. Um, Dario Vitasic, um, as interesting as that is, Melbourne City might as well be a National Premier League team at the moment. Savage. 
take that one. Brutal. How they treated Florderoli. Oh, okay, it makes me sad. Yes. Moving on. Anyway, moving on. Okay, next fact, which I think this is the one that's going to get it for you. He did finally sign for Melbourne City. Close to the buyout, sign. yes. Okay. So offer was when it was Melbourne Heart, he was off the mm. contract. And he signed for Melbourne City and came. Did he come straight from Wellington? He came straight from Wellington. Straight from Wellington? Yeah. I reckon Manny Musket. 100% it is yeah, Manny Musket. Go. Well done. There we go. Um, that's quite well done by you. Right. Um, got, the, there, got there eventually. Yeah, the final the final fact that I was going to throw out, and I was going to be surprised if it would win you over as to whether or not you'd paid attention to all of the team sheets yep. this season, um, but he has made a return back to Green Gully. Yes, so he, he is now yep. playing at Green Gully. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, did sub off this week with an injury uh, early against Bentley. But yeah, I'm, maybe I should have got that one a little bit quicker now. I think about it. Oh, uh, I don't maybe. know about that. It was, uh, yeah. it was pretty chilly. First time we've done that. I, it was great that it wasn't me who was being quizzed on it. That uh, caught me off guard a little bit there. Yeah. No, I like oh, you it. Did I like well. it. I might have to do this to you next week. See how, oh, uh, see how silly I can make you feel. We'll see how we go. Not hard. Um, do you remember much of him at City? I do remember a little bit. I remember he loved a yellow card. <laughs> seemed, to, seemed, to, seemed to really enjoy a yellow card. If he didn't get one, I think he was disappointed. So there's there's one thing I saw on the um, NPL Vic website this week. Yep. Which was, they've kind of got like the weekly summary, like the sort of leaderboard of Golden Boot, essentially. Yep. And it's like, hey, top scorer is this, and they kind of celebrate it. Yep. And they use Classic. that. Yeah, Classic. Yeah, as you would. Yeah, totally. That's, that's not the problem. That's per- perfectly fair. The bit that's interesting is that that's like a real celebratory thing. Yep. But they've just mirrored that same element for like yellow cards and red cards. And they're like, your top red card goal scorer <laughs> at the moment is... And I'm like... Bro, I probably, actually... probably a Dandenong City Yeah, definitely. Red card. Well, I don't think anyone's got two. No, because it'd be, imp- be impossible. Ah, uh, yes, you would get them so, yes, actually this early. Yep. But yellow cards, they've got it. And it's like, and your yellow card leader. I'm like, that's quite good. Does the MPO actually have like a... Like a golden card trophy or something, or so well, imagine that the golden yellow card. What what colour would, would it be? Um, how do you make a golden yellow card look different from a golden <laughs> red card? What, what are you wearing? Uh, conceptually, I'm not sure how to oh, answer that question. I don't know. Yep, but good. what if you like? Obviously, you get a card for a foul. Yep. Foul is a bird. Correct. Foul, foul is, is oh. not a. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, foul yeah, is no, a I know bird. What you mean now. Yeah. So you can do a golden foul. Yeah. For the, the person who gets the most number of cards, whether or not they're yellow or red throughout the season. Yep. I think we should start. What kind of bird is a fowl? Is that a chicken or is it just a general bird? Oh, I think it's just it's a name for like a young bird, isn't it? Is it? Any bird watchers, tweet oh. at us, at SemiProPotty. Yep. Um, we could Google it right now, but I feel like we've got other things to go on. We no, could... let's not. Yep. So the Golden Bird Trophy. No, nice. the golden fowl. Yes, but it, it, but in the shape of oh, a bird. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, nice. Or a fowl, even. Yeah, yeah, even better. Even better. A fowl committing a fowl. Oh, that's very... Very meta. Uh, very... <laughs> we digress, though. And on the topic of digressing, um, Southern United. Branson. Our team, semi-pro potty, our, our new favourite team. They are. Um, Did they win on the weekend, Well, Oh. Now, in the traditional model of win, no. 10-0 oh. loss. Oh, but they've oh, won our hearts. They have. So who'd they lose to? Uh, Bullying Lions. Oh, they're pretty. We're, they're pretty good. Yeah, but also they're we're pretty, pretty rude on them at the start of the season as well. So, we were. Yeah. Well, 
Jack had a we had a good chat to Jack about FC Volley Lions. We did. If and, you haven't and the WNPL team, yeah. If you haven't listened to it, uh, it was an extra that got put up last week. So have a listen to that interview. Really good insights into Bullion Lions and the WNPL. Yeah, a little bit of a delay on that one. We did record it, and then we had some technical difficulties opening, uh, uploading that one there. So it's up a little bit late, but it is there now. Yeah, have a listen to it. So will. It's not only been a big uh, big week on the field, but it's been a big week for semi-professional football as a whole off the field. Tell me a little about what you've uh, what you've heard this week. What's been going on? Yeah, look, a lot of uh, chat on social media around it. Really exciting things to sort of. I think we're all sort of looking at the second division of Australian football as something that we want to see pretty quickly and. There's some real momentum in that space. Um, so there was the first meeting of the National Second Division Working Group. Uh, so the FFA have sort of got together and they've put together the New League's Working Group, uh, which is chaired by Remo Nogarato. That's probably terribly pronounced. So yep. you know, I'm glad you tried that one, not me. Yep, at Semi-Pro-Potty on Twitter. Send your hate mail to that. Yep. Um, he used to chair Marconi back in the 80s, back in the... Glory days, so good, good sort of connection. Yep. He's been in the FFA for the last you know twenty odd years in, in various sort of board and director roles. So, so is this group focusing on on how to establish a second division? Is that what they're looking yeah, at? Yeah, totally. So they've they've kind. Of, I'm actually really happy to see the progress that's been made, but also the structure with which they're making that progress. So they called out four key areas that they're focusing on. So we all know it. The A League has reached a point where it's kind of a bit stale because there's no promotion relegation but there's yeah. a lot of steps to get to before promotion relegation yeah super hard yeah. to implement so many different factors yeah. to consider and i guess i guess that's what they this is all about though looking at those factors right so so what it is it's it's a bit about that that's the ultimate end goal but there's an area where you've got to make um the a-league ready for something like that but mm-hmm. you've also got to make the national premier leagues ready as well you know you've got to bring the top ready, you've got to bring the bottom ready and, and they'll meet in the middle. Yep. So it's not one one part that needs to make it. So this New League's working group has got together um, and what they're doing is they're really focusing on four key pillars which are financial sustainability. So how does a second division in Australia look financially and how can it be sustainable? Um, they're then looking at the commercial opportunities, so making the most of that. Um, professional football standards and promotion and relegation. So they're, they're the four things that they're really focusing on. And I just sort of wanted to um, take a look at that and we can discuss it over the, the next part of the podcast and, and really look at sort of what that looks because it's not an easy problem to solve. No. But there's also a lot of opportunity there. And I think now is the right time to do it where we're now getting broadcast of NPL games from pretty much every state. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's really yep. starting to get there. Yep. Um, some of the A-League bids that came through recently, South Melbourne was a bid, you know, yep. an established National yep. Premier League brand yep. going for it. What was the one? Wollongong Wolves as well? They, yep. Yeah, the, they rebranded as, what was it, South East Sydney or something? Well, I think, I think Wollongong had their own separate bid as well, maybe, yep. I think, but, you know, they're an existing club, but yep. The most important one for mine is financial sustainability. That is the hardest 100%. thing. 100%. Like, even the A-League struggling with it. Uh, Absolutely. And all you have to do is look at teams like uh, North Queensland and the Gold Coast who financially were not viable. And even Melbourne Heart were pretty much yeah. on the outer. That was part of the reason why the uh, yeah. city took over. So, so that's got to be huge. I mean, yeah. And I, I think that financial sustainability is it's actually quite combined with the, the commercial opportunity. So 
This is an area of interest for me. I quite right. like Intr- intricately linked. You mean? Yeah, yeah. So hand like, in hand. yeah, you, you kind of can't solve them in silos. You've got to kind of think of them holistically and mm-hmm. come up with a really graceful approach. This is one big area of interest for me. I like the business around football, and I like that Australia is this unique market where we have a salary cap. Mm-hmm. We're not the most com- we're not the most popular sport. We get yeah. very little money from government, and a lot of it is private funded. But there's not that money that's that's rolling through. So. One area that I would really like to see this financial sustainability and the commercial opportunity succeed is that the scenario where I think we need to really push ourselves into Asia as a country. So Australia joined the Asian Football Confederation and ever since then I don't think we've done enough as a country to be welcomed in properly. Um, You know, we hosted the Asian Cup and that was outstanding but if you look at the number of Australian players that have gone over, it's not in droves. If you look at the number of players from Asia that have come in to play in the A-League. Again, it's not a lot. You know, It's we've still got a, just the majority of Australian sort of players and we kind of tend to favour South American and European imports over looking on our own doorstep. And I think there's one opportunity where a lot of these clubs, if you're an NPL club right now and you're looking at how do we make that jump, I think you can build some really strong relationships in that Asian region because there's a lot of money in it. They're mad about soccer now and they're investing a lot of money in infrastructure around it. So, you know, I know China in particular is pouring oh, the a magnitude League. of money into, not just Super League, but like l- grassroots grounds for players, mm. you know, legitimising that league a bit more. Well, so I think China are like paying for their under 20, one of their U teams to play in like the fourth division of the German Soccer League. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And so in, uh, where, you know, Asia is obviously looking at putting itself in, in Europe, you know, why can't why can't we offer our services? So you think both both on and off the field. It's... Yeah, totally. I think if you get to a point where, um, you know, let's use a purely hypothetical scenario, pick a club, um, Bentley Greens. So we play in a different seasonal time to them, um, so they can actually come to Australia for training camps or something. You know, we can we can build partnerships with them. Um, you know, we can have player loans that come in and out. You know, we can have these sort of relationships of sister clubs where we actually like. You know, we'd like to think it was probably what was going to happen with the Melbourne City model, but it just hasn't really happened. Mm. Um, you know, we can really use Asia, that is a booming region, loves football, has a lot of money, to actually think of clever ways to to solve some of that financial stability um, and some of that sort of commercial opportunity as well. Because for mine, like, we could bring managers in from Asia. We could send our managers over to Asia. The only one is Ange Postacoglu, as far as I know, who, who's really gone... Oh, yeah, off the... Top of my head, yeah. Yeah, and it's yep. like we're, we're part of Asia and we we celebrate being part of the Asian Cup and everything, but I don't think we put enough back into Asia and therefore it's harder for us to ask for more back. So you reckon MPL 2 or a second division as well, you reckon this would be a key... Yeah, I just think it's an opportunity. I think if we try and insource the money and the, the commercial opportunities in Australia, it's a very saturated market. We know we're fourth Limited. on the pecking. Yeah, like, mm. and uh, it's like, you know... I hate to say it, but it's probably not at the top of everyone's to care about list in Australia. Whereas mm. we've got a massive market with a lot of people who are very keen on football and they like the, you know, total generalisation, but normally Australian products and branded things go down well in Asia. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can leverage that if we, if we do it right. So I, that's one area that I'm sort of really interested to see if this working group goes down that path or if they yep. do think very insular and, and solve the problem internally. Yeah. Well, I reckon the the 
next two of the four points that you were talking about, I reckon those are the ones that sort of interest me, like the, the football standards and the promotion and relegation. Yeah. Because I think they're... For me, like when you when you're talking about the on-field stuff, I reckon they're the most obvious, and I reckon that's the biggest area where the A League has so much to learn, in particularly from the failed franchises of North Queensland and Gold Coast United, where they weren't able to succeed. And you look at the teams at the moment who are sort of struggling. You know, uh, Central, Central Coast, Coast definitely yeah, stands Brisbane out as one, not yeah. looking too good. So you know, people are calling out for promotion and relegation, and and, and a second division and a way for those great NPL teams to have something more to, to aspire to. Yeah, yeah. exactly, to, to, to strive for and a way to sort of rejuvenate the A-League, get rid of the dead weight. But I'm cautious about this because I just think for it to work, we have to make sure that those NPL2 teams, or sorry, NPL teams who would be part of a second division mm-hmm. can compete. And I reckon professional football students, I reckon that's what they have to address that because... I mean, you see it in the FFA Cup, you know, a team will come up against an A-League team and, you know, they might win, they might knock off Adelaide United or uh, RPL Leichhardt. I think they beat the victory, Mm. you know, something like that. But are they going to be able to do it week in, week out? You know, the resources, everything everything on the field and off the field. Like, if we've got a second division, we've got promotion and relegation, the idea is that these NPL teams are competing with A-League teams and... Over the course of a year, I mean, mm. I and I think that's where it's, I don't you know, know the A League needs to um, the A League needs to come back and be a little bit more receptive to it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, not receptive, but it needs to be prepared for it. Yeah, and de- then definitely, the, definitely, the NPL clubs that are existing need the resources. You know, not the first year that we do this, yep. they need to be able to what? build up. You know, playing squads are going to be the biggest things. You know, like even in the A League, the fact that benches are so small is purely from, I think, um, managing um, payment of players. So right. you know how on A-League bench you get a goalkeeper and three subs? You know, yeah, like... They, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like... I think there's one. Tactically, it's kind of pointless because you know if the manager's going to make three subs, you know which players he's going to bring on. Um, but it's one of those ones where I think the NPL needs to lift a little bit and the A-League needs to prepare itself for what this model looks like. Well, another thing... Talking about that sort of preparing, I think the promotion and relegation is going to be a super tricky thing to prepare for because you've got to make sure those NPL teams are ready to go up. But another thing, and so like, you know, part of the problem with that is Australia, huge country. Yeah. Absolutely huge country. So let's say any team goes up, you know, let's say, or with Cairns, I think Cairns have a have a team in the NPL in Queensland, let's say they get promoted, all of a sudden they've got to fly to Melbourne, they've got to mm-hmm. fly to Perth, they've got to fly yeah, to Wellington. And this is why so they, they've got they've got to they've got to have those resources to be able to to go up and compete. And also, alternatively on the other end, this is something that I don't think other people have talked about either, is A League clubs have to be ready to be relegated. Yeah. So they've got to totally. be they've got to be prepared to go down. But this forces the hand. So A League clubs now need to get way better at their stadium deals. You know, at the moment, A League clubs like Brisbane Raw pay an absolute mint for some oh, club and it doesn't suit them. No. So this forces joke. the hand of clubs to go, do you know what? We actually need to and you know, Western Sydney's new stadium looks outstanding and yep. everything. Um the new West Melbourne um, bid has got yeah privately funded uh, stadium they're going to build so, yep. so that's the right way to do it what you've got to do is you've it, the A-League has been rightfully sheltered for so long 
It now needs to go, okay, we've given you this 15-year basis with which to form your brand. If you can't make your brand work, then yes, that club will fold. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Not, that's not the fault of the league trying to dream big and, and create this thing. It's, it's now the onus is on the brands to actually properly engage with their community, yep. build smart partnerships. Um, you know, one of the things that I really sort of like the idea of with that is, yes, Australia's big to travel around, but people do it every day. Yeah. Well, so, so the, the de- onus is now on the, a- the, the onus is now on the A League to build strong corporate partnerships, or maybe this uh, new league's working group, build strong partnerships with Qantas, Virgin, Jetstar, whoever will offer free flights for A League uh, for A League players. Definitely, definitely doable. But I reckon you just got to make sure that infrastructure is there. Um, the big thing with clubs going down. A-League clubs going down, I reckon, is, you know, you look at Central Coast and Western Sydney and Brisbane at the moment who are all real trash, sorry. Like, they're not good. Uh, You know, relegation would obviously drive them to be better. You know, Central Coast can't just afford to... I think they've been on the bottom for something like 17 consecutive weeks now. Like, you know, if there's relegation, they're going to be doing more. They're not... They can't be complacent. And that makes the league better, I think. Mm. But what? I think what I think the risk as well is is in particularly with relegation though. So let's say one team from the A League goes down, or two even. Let's say the Mariners get relegated. Are the Mariners going to be able to exist once they're relegated? Because thinking about it, they're a franchise. Mm. Uh, they were built on attracting football fans to to jump on the league. In theory, those football fans would probably be connected to existing grassroots clubs. Yeah. So as soon as they go down, as soon as they lose that A-League status, as soon as they lose everything that the A-League brings in terms of big players, big money, that are they going to survive? Mm-hmm. Are, are fans going to still go? So, like, yeah. I, I reckon that's a big it's risk. It's a really big question that they need to, like, address because... And Gold Coast and North Queensland, they didn't have relegation. They did not survive. So yeah. if all of a sudden, if we start axing A-League franchises, City are a classic one. I'm a City fan at the moment. Fan base is not happy. Uh, Fan numbers are really dropping off. If they got relegated, I don't know how many people would stick Mm. with them. So would you rather have uh, an A-League that has got a a, a first division that has got uh, 12 clubs to it that average maybe 10,000, 20,000 attendants? Yep. Or would you rather a league of maybe 18 to 20 clubs? Where every game has got you know between four to ten thousand at it, mm-hmm. because I would actually prefer the four to ten thousand across many games where there's more interesting fixtures. Yeah. Um, you know, like these are the sorts of well, things but, they but, need to. But if we're doing that, then we're just talking about an expanded league, yeah, not necessarily totally. about a league with promotion and relegation. Though I think over time it would get well, you would expand the league shortly yeah. to, to welcome in a couple of new teams. I, yeah. I think the goal is to get to like a, a somewhat. Uh, inflated league where yeah. you've got more than just like you know playing the same team four times in a calendar year. Yeah, that's um, yeah, not going to. So it's one of those really interesting. What I think the biggest sort of thing that I'm hoping comes out of this is that I think we need to get rid of the salary cap now. I think it served well, its purpose. But you say that so like if we get promotion yep. though, how uh, let's say Oakley. Just yep. picking a team. Let's say Oakley have a great run in the NPL, Vic. They own promotion. Yep. If there's no salary cap, how are Oakley meant to compete with a cashed up victory, a cashed up Sydney, a cashed up city, same, an, same established, way, yeah. an established franchise like Perth and Brisbane? Yeah. How are they going to. The same way that like Getafe compete against Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, like this is not a, this not is not well. a common problem. Yeah, <laughs> not well, but like, you know, that's not an uncommon problem in mm. leagues around the world. Um, 
the, I think what it does, though, is the salary cap is annoying because it's got a maximum and a minimum. So Central yes. Coast yep. Central Coast can't afford the minimum, but they have to spend it to keep their A-League licence. Yep. So they're getting bailed out at the moment by the local state government, I think. They were just like, oh, my God, how much more money can we hemorrhage? Um, um, and yet you've got clubs like Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory, who are turning away business opportunities at the door so they don't fit under the salary cap. Then you've mm-hmm. also got Perth Glory, who are exceeding the salary cap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, I think we're at the point now where the salary cap worked, it sheltered us, but further to my thing, if I want us to go into Asia, well, let's not go into Asia with a salary cap. You know, let's let's go into a global footballing market without that handicap of... Well, if we're going to Asia with a salary cap and trying to compete against right. China, work. tons of Won't money, work. India now, South Korea and Japan, yeah. all have plenty of money. Yeah. yeah. Quick, anyway. quick question, sort of just, just to wrap it up. Right now, if you had to pick, let's say, two NPL Vic teams to Ooh. get promoted. I like this. Uh, if you're trying to pick the two teams who you reckon right now, today, would be the most successful in an expanded, promoted A-League, whatever it is, who would you pick? Yeah, look, Bentley Greens, definitely. Well, I think based on what on field, off field, both. Um, or? I think on because they're on, great mostly on field, on field, on field and field. off field purely because of some of their runs in the FFA Cup. Yep, you know they've gone deep. They've challenged yep. a lot of people. Yep. Um, they got through the semi last year, I think, and they've yeah, done a bit of damage. Yeah, I think, I think their Twitter account says that they're the most successful non A League club in FFA history. Oh, wow. Which is a have, they got the, have they got the blue tick? Uh, I don't think they've got the blue yeah, tick. Yeah, well, but that's come back to us when like, you got the blue tick, It's boys. like, yeah, it's, well, uh, or if you win it, yeah, we're, we've never yeah, won it. We've never made the yeah. semis, but we're the most successful. No, don't, don't brag about being second, third, or fourth. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. But anyway, so um, you reckon Bentley? Yeah, and then 100% down and on City because they're great. <laughs> Excellent. Great. What about you, Branson? What, what teams do you think could actually give it a nudge in a, a sort of a more legitimised second division? Um, I reckon, I reckon, I don't know if I'd do Bentley. I reckon on field, they're probably the best example. I would probably go Heidelberg because I reckon on field, they're just as good as Bentley. I mean, again, they've made deep FFA cap runs. They are reigning premiers. And then I think off the field, they're a little bit more well-established. Their field is a little bit bigger perhaps it's a little bit more stadium you could do it's, something with it you could do it's, something it's got with a bit it. more of a lakeside field it's not very pretty but mm-hmm. it's sort of got a little bit more of a stadium feel to it so i'd probably pick them and then it pains me to say but probably south melbourne mm. i don't I, I don't have a lot of love for like, south melbourne south and I melbourne really, like the 80s yeah i get it but I, like i really didn't want them to get an A-League expansion. I'm glad they didn't. Not necessarily because I have a whole lot against South Melbourne. I just didn't think they were right. But I just think, uh, I mean, in terms of history, I think, didn't they sign like Roberto Carlos as their manager if they'd won yeah. a bid or something? So uh, there was rumours. Yeah. They are also yeah. certified on Twitter, so they're a little bit... Oh, okay. Take um, it. It's impressive. So I'd pick those two. And then maybe, I reckon, maybe a Melbourne Knights. Yeah, I reckon they could yeah. do it. But again, you know, with those clubs, we're starting to get into, you know, what is it? Some cultural supporter bases, yeah. which the A League wanted to remove some. But oh, I, no, they reversed that. I, 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 did they? Yeah, the A League said, no, we're okay with you having, you know, culturally Great. sensitive things in your titles, which 
can't believe we had to have that conversation, but we had it yep. and it went the right yeah, way. Yeah, so, so I'd, pick, I'd pick Heidelberg and South Melbourne and maybe Melbourne Knights. Lovely. Well, look, it'll develop over the years how that sort of uh, comes to fruition, but let us know your thoughts on it because it's something that we're all sort of crying out Such for. Such a is, hot topic. Yeah. and it, it's, So much to, yeah. to talk about as well. Yeah, and I'm very glad that there is now a, a formalised framework, a group that is working at, at finalising the right way to do this because it's something we've been crying out for for years. So kudos to those who are working hard away at that at the moment. Um, Branson, what did we like this week? I lo- no, this is my favourite segment. Sorry, before we were talking about favourite segments. Better than segments. Kit Bag? Yeah, better than Kit Bag. This well, is my favourite segment. Better, even more so than the $15 meal challenge? You've got a lot of favourite segments. I do. They're, it's rotating. That's yeah. all right. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think this week, what we actually liked was the same thing. And what we liked was some classic semi-professional behaviour. Are you about to mention the thing that I think you're about to mention? An on-field incident of sorts? Well, there were multiple, multiple on-field incidents, all of which were very semi-professional in nature, and we love it. This sort of stuff where you go, classic, you know, just bit bush league. Of course it happens in the NPL, and you just go, this is great. So the first one that I saw that I liked... Uh, Oakley, Dandenong, Thunder. Uh, there was a mouse on the field. Yeah, great. Late in the second half, there was a little mouse jumping around. Cameraman did a great... I don't know who spotted it first, if it was a cameraman or someone on the bench, but they they zoomed right on in on it. They had shots of it going around. I hear Nat Geo have been doing cutbacks, so... I don't, I don't, think, I don't think players seem to notice. Well, you wouldn't they stop. They you wouldn't, well, I don't yeah. think anyone on the field seemed to notice, but the commentators mm-hmm. picked it up. This isn't... Animals on the field isn't solely exclusive to the MPL. It's like one of my favourite things in the world, by the way. Like, absolutely my favourite thing is animals interrupting games of football. It seems seems to happen a lot in the States where they have, like, cats at baseball games or there was a basketball game Mm. where there were bats in. And, oh, mate, how about, what was it, the Argentinian... Amazing, amazing. It was in our first episode that Branson mentioned it. We'll put a video out yeah. for it because it is legitimately a goalkeeping howler yep. that boots into a player, goes back towards the goal, and a dog runs across the goal line yep. and stops the ball yeah, going. You cannot ride it. Comes out of nowhere. Outstanding yeah. contact. Um, so I like that. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty classic, yeah. semi-pro. Mouse on the field, love it. What yeah. did you like? I absolutely loved this. Back in the day, bit of backstory to this one, Adelaide United, Newcastle Jets, I believe it was semi-final shootout, sunny afternoon, Cooper Stadium, Daniel Beltrami, mm-hmm. chucks a hat on his head no. because it's sunny, <laughs> saves penalties, yep. Adelaide United go through to the final, which yep. he then got pumped. Yeah. Let's not yeah. do that one. Yep. Um, but he had a great comment and he said, a goalkeeper is only as good as the hat on his head. Did he actually say that? Yeah, which is one of my favourite comments of all time because... That's very bizarre. Because it's goalkeepers, so bizarre. No. So goalkeepers don't wear hats. Or do they? Or do they? They do. So this week, Michael Weir, Hume City goalkeeper, wearing a hat. Wow, I did see that. And are you a fan of this? Is this a... Go- I'm not convinced it's a good look. It's one of my favourite things in world football. So Is it? Yeah, wow. rewind. Yep. Earlier this year. Yep. Or oh, hang on. Late last year. Or early this year. No, early this yeah, year. Early this year, yeah. Yep, January. Yeah. I think Matt Ryan. Ago. Yeah. Asian oh, yeah. Cup. Yeah. He just went, you know what? So yeah. smart. In a global tournament, yeah. Yep. Chuck's an AFC branded cap on. Yep. Now, see, funny you mentioned that. So, because that's where I was going. So, Matt Ryan was wearing an AFC branded hat. Uh, Michael Weir... 
obviously he wasn't playing in the AFC. So what kind of branded hat was he wearing? Was he wearing an NPL hat? Was yeah, he, was so he, he was wearing a sports hat. Yeah, that's fair. Good. good. Yeah, he's and playing so sport. He's playing sport. Yeah. Fair. Awesome. Uh, and you'd also then go, okay. Was so it, it must have been a Hume City hat. Uh, no, no. But that, oh, that's a, fine. A, Understandable. A, a, but you, a soccer hat? Soccer hat. Football hat? You'd think soccer hat. Mm-hmm. No. No? Nike. Generic. No, sadly no. not. Like, he's not just come from the gym. Yeah. Apparently, and can't confirm or deny this, check his Wikipedia page, not on there. Yep. He plays for the New York Yankees. Does he? Really, yeah. Because oh. he's, got, he's got the New York Yankees hat, and as far as I'm concerned... Oh, I love... What, what, what is he doing? Where did he pull that from? Did he go out to the game and go, no. guys... Back seat of the car. Hundred percent. Did he get it off a fan? Was do you reckon there was a fan wearing a Yankees hat? He's just going. Oh, sorry, mate. It's a bit sunny out there. Can I borrow your hat? Yeah, I mean, one size fits all approach to football. But happy for you to be sun smart. Mm -hmm. But really think about what you're putting on your head before you run out and play a semi professional game. And like goalkeepers, the hat. I don't think it adds to the image. So, for example, ice hockey goalkeepers wearing the you know the face mask, you know, with the artwork, really cool. Pretty badass, looks great. Goalies wearing hats in football, I'm not sure if it's got no, the same effect. Though. If every goalkeeper started wearing a hat, I'd hate it. Yeah. But it's yeah. the fact that it's oh, this every little, now and then. Yeah, every now and then you're like, yeah. Is, no, is it like goalkeepers who wear pants? Yeah, oh my god. Is that better? Goalkeepers or... in trackies and hats? Just wow. Like, put a fork in me on that. What, what would you rather, goalkeeper wearing a hat or pants? Hat, Two. 100%. Yeah, yeah, wow. No brainer. That was Love such it. a it's, quick it's answer. Genuinely, yeah, it's genuinely one of my favourite things of football. You I didn't don't even think about that. No. That wasn't all. even on the script. You just, yeah. you, damn, you didn't even know I was going to ask yeah. you that either. We have a script? Well, no, not really. <laughs> well, we have a loose chat, don't we? We say, oh, what are, what are we going to chat about this week? Yeah, exactly. Um, so moving on to the next one, final thing that we liked about the week. Um, Branson, tell us about the interesting setup that they used to be at Altona. Well, yeah, so this was interesting. So I didn't hear... Oh, I didn't know this. I was watching the game. On the commentary they pointed out, uh, Teo Palazzari pointed out, something that I've never heard of, never seen in world football. So Altona are just bringing something unique to the world game, and I love it. Uh, but Teo said, this year they've actually changed it, but up to this year, Altona, on the field, the player benches mm-hmm. for different sides were actually on opposite sides of the pitch what so like you've got yeah. the camera you've got the broadcast yeah, side yeah, broadca- so where the, you always put the benches yeah benches all oh no not, oh, not, not always yeah, but, but mostly yeah so there was one bench on the broadcast side yeah you know, right below the camera and then i'm assuming that they just had one bench on the other side looking Jesus. at the camera and i've never heard that before I've never seen even like that is weird. Yeah, even because like, even when it's both on the other side of the field, it's weird. Like I think Wembley does that, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Really no, like yeah, but the, yeah, a few a few things do. But like you know, that that doesn't matter. But I've never seen them where they have the benches on opposite sides. What does the fourth official do? Just run in between? Yeah, how does he know? That's an <laughs> excellent... Have a baby monitor on do one they, side? Do, yeah, do they have a fifth official? Walkie-talkies. Yeah, you could love it. Fifth official? That, or oh. you just tell them to behave and trust that everyone is going to be a rational human being during 90 minutes of a football match. How does he... What does he do for subs, though? Do they have to yell subs across the... Fi- Chinese whispers. Coach tells player who tells another player who tells another player who tells another player who tells fourth, fourth official. Mm, that's and then that's he, risky. And, and then he has to try to put the board up. But yeah, then, because what if what if the player who's getting subbed is the last person? Oh, that? just makes it up. Yeah, just makes it up. It. Just take off the goalkeeper. <laughs> I'll put the gloves on. 
Well, we saw what happened to Chelsea when they tried to take off the goalkeeper. <laughs> goalkeepers oh, had great. Oh, that was terrible. But yeah, I just, I just heard that. I just, yeah, I just found I that it. really bizarre, gonna... really peculiar, and not even semi-professional because I can even grassroots amateur. Yeah, you put teams, on the one side. Yeah, that's just. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that's not like a requirement, or maybe it is a requirement. That's it why might I be now. It. I don't know, but really weird one. I thought odd, um, peculiar. Look, lovely end to part two, though. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a break and come back with part three where we'll preview this week's upcoming fixtures. Welcome back to part three of the Semi-Pro Potty. We're going to preview round four of the NPL and a little bit of WNPL as well. Branson, Friday night, what have we got on? Uh, A couple of interesting games Friday night, Will. We've got the Melbourne Knights taking on Bentley Greens and Pasco Vale against Port Melbourne on the Friday night. What's happening on Saturday? Uh, Saturday we have got Green Gully versus Dandenong City, Avondale versus South Melbourne, uh, Dandenong Thunder versus Altona Magic, rounding off Hume City versus Heidelberg. Very nice. We've also got a little bit of a treat this week, don't we, Branson? Monday night fixture. Yeah, I do like a bit of a Monday night fixture. It's a little bit of flair. Monday's usually a bit grim. Monday night fixture gives you something to look forward to. And tonight, it, uh, not tonight, but on Monday night, it'll be Kingston City versus the Oakley Cannons. And also coming up this weekend, our new favourite team, the semi-pro potty's favourite team, Southern United, taking on uh, the Geelong Galaxy on Saturday. Yeah, I'm just looking for something that is less than a 10-nil drubbing for that one. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll score. Oh, imagine what, the, won't the Won't the streets be painted? What colour of Southern United? Uh, blue and black, I believe. Blue and black. Blue, black, white. Really? Yep. Uh, not sure about that. Uh, anyway, still our club, so we've got to follow them. Yep. We're on board. Um, so out of that sort of uh, set of fixtures, uh, Branson, what are you sort of, what's the match of the round that sort of stands out to you there? The match of the round for me, I would think, would be Avondale versus South Melbourne. That's the one that I'm really looking forward to. I reckon it'll be interesting. South Melbourne, as we said, have won two in a row now. Yeah, bit of momentum. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Starting to look a little bit good. Uh, Avondale, undefeated, three from three. However, they haven't really played a tough game yet. They've played Kingston City, they've played Port Melbourne, and they've played... Dandenong City. Yeah. And so I think between all three of those teams, they have a grand total of one point yeah. between the three games. So taking on South Melbourne, it'll be their first real challenge of the year, yeah. I reckon. So I reckon it'll be really interesting to see to see how they go. Can they step up? South Melbourne, if they can get a result away from home, maybe even a win here, obviously a great sign for them. Lovely. I reckon that'll be interesting. What one are you looking forward to? Yeah, I think that Friday night fixture. Um, look, I'm really keen to actually get out to Melbourne Knights, but Melbourne Knights, Bentley Greens. Um, yep. Look, that'll just be a cracker. Um, I can't sort of... We've sort of spoken quite a bit about Bentley Greens in every podcast just because they're doing well. They're looking yep, really they're strong. strong form. Yeah, Melbourne Knights, they have just got a lot of potential I'd, I'd love to sort of see that that sort of setup. Yep, two um, wins themselves as well yeah I think this one's got an absolute marker on it for a high scoring draw I wouldn't be too shocked yeah, to see yep. like a 3-3 or something out there yep well Bentley scored for fun at the moment yeah um, so look that that's the that's the game that's really sticking out for me this round um, we've also got some pretty interesting um, NPLW or WNPL yep. 
depending on how you want to call it. Yep. Um, we've got the grand final rematch. We do. Tell us about this yeah, one. Monday night, Bulleen FC, Bulleen Lions, taking on South Melbourne at the Veneto Club. So, grand final rematches are always interesting. South Melbourne finished on top last year, couldn't get it done. Maybe a little bit of a... A little bit of something to prove there. Bolina sitting on top at the moment. South Melbourne lost last week. Backed up their 11-0 win over Southern United with a uh, with a loss. So it'll be interesting for them. That'll be another good game to go to. Again on a Monday night, down at the Veneto Club. I absolutely, free to love, go to. I absolutely love the name of the Veneto Club as well. Because I Great, first yeah. saw that on our call sheet. I thought it was a Cornetto Club. And I was like, <laughs> I love a Cornetto. Could go Well, the Veneto Club is my... Th- favorite place to go because it's like an italian club and oh, it is brilliant. just venetian i believe and it is just super super italian it's got a gondola out the front there's a giant really a giant gondola outside so where we were talking before about how we make um the second division in australia work yeah that's it as yep. far as i'm concerned a gondola gondolas just a... out the front of like yep. italian clubs yep just go ham on the the like cultural heritage yeah 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 well they've got a great bistro great setup in there social club bocce squash courts and an excellent stadium to boot but yeah don't great. know about you but i'm free monday i think i might head off to that absolutely that I'm, great. Be, I'm hoping to yeah so that bullying lions versus south melbourne game looks absolutely awesome um at the top of the table bullying lions currently yep correct. south melbourne sitting mid-table-ish yep. there or thereabouts yep um and our team southern united fc uh, zero points, two games, and a goal difference of... Minus 21, Will. Minus yeah, okay, 21. cool. So it was more, minus 180, 183, I want to say, so yeah. there, there or thereabouts. And we're on minus 20 after two games. Yeah, okay. So uh, Having um, said that, we have played the two best teams. Oh, so it's all it's all easy from well, here then. Well, South Melbourne finished on top last year, bullying the Premiers. Uh, Calder are pretty good, but I mean, oh, I'm not going to say it's easy from here, but I mean, maybe, who knows? I, I do think that we're going to see our first goal this week. Yep. I'm, we can only yeah, hope. Absolutely love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Semi Pro Potty on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what games you're going to over the weekend. Keep being semi professional, and thanks for listening to episode four of the Semi Pro Potty. Mm-hmm.